0: If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. And on today's show, we've got comedian David Bory breaking down his love of Denver sports, his experiences in high school football, the highs and lows, really, of high school football, and, of course, the enduring legacy of one of our favorite films on this here podcast. That's right, Blue Chips, because no one is the expert in the Shaquille O'Neal film oeuvre (laughs) that Just Not Sports is. I am your host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago, and joining me on the line, it is... Seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer, Gareth Hughes. Gareth, quick quick question, and I don't mean this as a troll job. Okay. I I always introduce you as seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer. That number has not changed. How many Emmys have you lost, though?
1: Oh, I don't even know. Plenty. <laughs> like, a lot more than that. Like... Are it's you not like, a troll job. It like, sounds
0: really impressive. Like, oh man, seven times. But if you're like seven for 29, does like, it change the, the calculus for our listeners?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not, Brad. It is an honor to be nominated, <laughs> man. You know, like if they say that getting it, like being successful one out of every three times, like it's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I am not getting into the baseball Hall of Fame. Like I think I am way lower than seven for twenty-one. You're like
0: so. John Cruck, like retiring to keep three hundred one on the books for. Yeah, posterity. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Just walking off in the middle of the season. So, well, hey, look,
0: it's yeah. been a few weeks since you and I've been on the line. Uh, thanks again to Steve Warner, my uh, my pal from the Summer Blockbuster Podcast, jumping on our last episode, and then we took a little bit of a breather around the election because. I don't think the world was looking for <laughs> non-sports sports talk uh takes uh during that very stressful time but that means Gareth it's time for you and I to go return to a a friendly place that we like to call Gareth's Cancer Corner.
2: <laughs>
0: and oh yeah baby. I do want to say us co-opting the Fox NFL injury music has really helped li- enliven this otherwise <laughs> melancholy part of our show as you chronicle your ongoing treatments uh, for
1: cancer. But uh, no, nothing melancholy today. Today is, I mean, look, there's been some ups and downs recently, but we're not going to, it's too arcane to get into. But the two things that I want to talk about today are actually sort of funny and or beautiful so if i may can, do you mind if i just go ahead then the, Like uh,
0: the the floor is a uh, yours
1: the the music has stopped playing and that's okay now um <laughs> yes so first of all i'm excited that we're recording this afternoon because this morning i went to pick up our laundry you know new york is drop off laundry you drop off your laundry you go pick it up like a day or two later And it's done and folded. And over the years, we've become really close with Mo, uh, the guy who works at the laundromat. You know, like he's a Yemeni immigrant. His he like had to fight to get his family and wife and child over here. uh, Like during the Trump administration, like we've just gotten really close to each other. But he's gotten a job where now he works in HR, and so he's at the laundromat less, and so I don't get to see him as much. It's sad because like, he doesn't get to see our kids as much. I don't get updates on his daughter, things like that. I've been asking him about him. And I walked in today and he was working and I was like, oh, Mo, you're here. And he was like, Gareth. And it was like, everybody in the laundromat started laughing at how excited we were to see each other. And, like, we had this big catch-up, and he's a huge Dolphins fan. And he was always in there wearing Dolphins gear on Sundays, even when they were, like, terrible. And I was like, I'm so excited to you to talk about the Dolphins. He was like, Gareth, he's like, I've been listening to the podcast and following along with you and your family, even if I'm not working. So I'm so excited to actually see you and know that you're doing okay. Cause when you missed an episode of the podcast, I started to get worried. So now like <laughs> well, he thought I'm you back. just like
0: <laughs> you died or something. And I replaced yeah, you yeah, without well, mentioning
1: yeah. it. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> no, so, that's funny
0: though. That's funny. I,
1: I, I just love that that was this morning. And so shout oh. out to Mo, you know, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad the dolphins are kind of the toast of the NFL right now and how to rebuild. Even if they don't win the AFC East this year, they've, Probably are going to get a playoff berth and have all of terrible Houston's draft picks for next year. And Brian, Brian Flores seems to be a great coach. So you stuck with them and you stuck with it and getting your family here. And so I'm glad things are going well for you. And I'm back on the pod, buddy. <laughs> so the other thing is I have been on these chemotherapy pills and that's what uh, treatment they're going with to treat my cancer. And basically We've talked to a bunch of oncologists just to sort of like get, you know, take the temperature of this. And they've all said like this kind of cancer at this moment in time, like if you have it, this is how we treat it. Like surgery is too. And they don't even want to say risky, but it's just like it's almost like too damaging, like what it takes to like have surgery and then recover from it. Like these pills are the way to go. If you have the genetic mutation, you're lucky enough to have like. "Quote unquote," lucky enough to have, which is also the genetic mutation that gave me cancer. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, where does good luck end and bad luck? Whatever. Um, Look, it's like
0: superheroes, man. It's a blessing, but also a curse at times. You just got to roll with it, you know.
1: Absolutely, well put in that in this era. It's so like anyway,
0: Wolverine. You know, like the claws come out, but they hurt every time.
1: <laughs> Wolverine. But for every episode, for every issue of Wolverine, you know it's going to end with Logan, man. You know how it's going to end. So anyway, uh, so they're just like, these pills are the way to go. And the pills, they don't have like the same like sort of like big ballistic side effects as traditional chemo, but it's like, I think I've said it on here. Like I can sleep till nine or 10 in the morning, fatigue, like, you know, you get stuff with the skin on your hands and feet. It gets hard to walk, mouth sores, whatever. But I've got the oddest one. And... Brad, like my hair has gotten darker, like considerably darker. Like it looks like, like I have dunked my head into a bucket of just for men. And like, like Rudy Giuliani ben- style. <laughs> yes. Yes. like But with staying power if, under the hot lights. With, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It won't melt down <laughs> my face. Like, like a month ago, Amy said to me, she's like, I think your hair has gotten darker. And I was like, uh, uh. And, I mean, how often do you actually look at your hair color in the mirror, like, intently? And so then a couple days later, I looked, and I was like, dude, she's right. And all the gray that had started to naturally creep in around my temples, 80% of that is gone. A neighbor pointed out the other day, she's like, did you darken your hair? And I was like, oh, my God, somebody else is now bringing it up. Like, so yeah, so I swear I have not started dyeing my hair. It's
0: just the cancer, w- babe.
1: <laughs> All nuts exactly. around. Exactly, and and one <laughs> of the side effects of either the cancer or this genetic treatment is that my hair is darker than it has ever. My hair is darker than it has ever been, and it is wild. So, you're gonna have to send
0: me a photo because you and I don't. I will, We I will. don't I see each other look much, look and you're not after. on socials,
1: so. Yeah, and I wish I had taken, like, an intent before or after, but I might go back and try to find something from, like, I don't know, 2018, 2019, when it was, like, you know, naturally graying for a 40-year-old versus now, when it is just, like, not just, like, oh, it's back to brown. Like, it is a darker brown than it's ever been. It's fascinating. So that is my update from Cancer Corner. <laughs> the genetic <laughs> chemotherapy pills that I'm on have changed my hair color darker
0: so insane but it's good look it's good to get an update from you there right now let me set up our guest our interview for this week because gareth there's one thing that came up in the interview that i do want to ask you about because it's related to you and our upbringing specifically our guest is david borey david is a really funny comedian uh you've probably seen him on his comedy central stand-up special or on shows like conan please welcome very funny David Bory. He's also the co-host of a podcast that I really enjoy. It is the All Fantasy Everything podcast, the only podcast, in fact, to ever exist, which is a bad beat for shows like mine, which I believe started before All Fantasy Everything, but then forced huh. us to rebrand as uh, now we, forever uh, we shall be known, Gareth, as merely digital-based on-demand audio. Huh. David is a super funny guy. If you listen to All Fantasy Everything or you've seen his stand-up, uh, he's just hilarious, so I-, I invited him on. I just wanted to talk to him about his relationship with sports. So we break down, you mm-hmm. know, uh, his his Denver sports fandom, uh, his love of the Nuggets and their run this year. Uh, we talk about his earlier uh, earlier life in Seattle and and what he remembers of the '90s Sonics. Gareth, a team that uh, came up quite a bit, uh, in-, in a recent pod that you and I talked about. Uh, then. R.I.P. We- and we break down blue chips. We go hard into blue chips because it's like one of like two VHSs or DVDs or whatever he said he owned growing up. So we really nerd out, man, like 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 minutia from like the press conference scene and stuff. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. But Gareth, here's where you come in, because David played football in high school. And it's something that he and his co-host Ian Carmel, you know, from the Late Late Show um, mm-hmm. on All Fantasy, everything that they, they kind of reference their their days playing football quite a bit and and i asked, i asked him point blank about a moment garrett that i remember so much from your football career in high school so i was in the marching band uh okay everyone collectively get all your jokes out
1: now yeah yeah um honestly you can you can't joke about that without joking about what i attempted to call a football career so there you go well
0: okay so i was walking to band practice once and i saw mm-hmm. like the jv team or whatever playing And I look over, and I hear your voice, and you're like, Brad, Brad, what's up, man? And I'm like, hey, dude, (laughs) why are you in street clothes? Aren't you supposed to be in the game? And you're like, do you remember what you said to me? I
1: think I said I got ejected.
0: Yeah. You were like, dude, I got thrown out. I just knocked some guy unconscious. And I was laughing because I'm like, it was- I didn't knock
1: him unconscious, but it was like, I don't know. It was basically like I was trailing the play- pretty much over. I could argue they hadn't blown the whistle and he was just standing there and I laid him out. I just decked this guy. So but it was the pride.
0: Yeah. And I remember I was kind of asked David like how many people do you think exist that are like like their number one high school football memory was probably given someone else like brain damage. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Uh <laughs> You had so I mean, much pride in your I voice. I can still remember yeah. it. You were like, dude, I got thrown out of this game. And I was like, yeah. Whoa. and it was just, it's just funny. Cause like the times they are changing. So David talks yeah, about, yeah. you know, you know, back then it was two days. It was like them busing to Wyoming where they could do like more practice. You know, legally. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, it's a really fun conversation. Uh, if you played high school sports or not. And uh, I was glad David made some time for our show, and then stick around after the interview. Gareth and I will be back to distract you.
2: on the and just the track
0: i 'm someone who has moved around in my adult life. I know you have too, so I just kind of wanted to start with like a state of your fandom and uh whether you you've kind of clung to your geographic roots or or picked up more kind of favorite teams as you, as you've gone on
2: man so it's difficult right uh had the sonics not moved i think i mm-hmm. would be a sonics fan to this day but i you know that whole deal man i refuse to i refuse to root for the oklahoma city thunder yeah right <laughs> i just i just i can't do it in my heart so I'm definitely a uh, Denver Nuggets fan, uh, Denver Broncos. Fan. I think it's all Denver to be honest. I I'm not huge into baseball, so I guess I like the the Mariners on like nostalgia purposes. But I'm I moved because I moved when I was like twelve, okay, or thirteen. You know what I mean? So it's right right there. And moving to Denver at thirteen was like. It was, like, fresh off the two Super Bowls. Yeah. Fresh off the Avs, Avs Stanley Cup, the first one. Like, you know what I mean? It was just, like, there was a lot more going on. And then in high school was, like, the Nuggets were okay, but during high school was the whole mellow time and stuff like that. So, it's just kind of, like, I really I really just glommed on to Denver sports.
0: What was the mellow era like? I think from the national, like, perspective, we have a very different – connection or or view of Carmelo than maybe like you know, fans in Denver were, especially during that time when people kind of felt like it was him versus LeBron. maybe he's gonna they're gonna have like a ten year war. and then it just kind of evaporated,
2: yeah. I mean, it was tough, right? Because like that draft, I mean shit, I was a junior in high school. That year was big because it was the New Jerseys and it was that draft. and everybody we we thought we could have got LeBron, obviously. I mean, so, like, I wasn't a huge Mellow guy. Like, I liked what he did at Syracuse or whatever, but I didn't care that much. But the whole era was, like, I mean, when we went to the Western Conference Finals with the Lakers and what, was that, 09? Yeah, I, I think so. I, yeah, that was, that was like, that was my favorite Nuggets team until now, man. I mean, I loved all those guys. I loved Earl Boykins. The whole bench was fun. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, like, I, I never begrudge Mellow anything. He definitely wanted to go to a bigger market team, as happens with a lot of players in Denver. But like, I don't know, man. I I I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I love Kenyon Martin. I love. I just I love those guys. That that whole kind of era.
0: I feel like the Nuggets have a love hate relationship with their most iconic uniform, like that that thing from the like the eighties, and then they, they they brought it back now, and they 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 kind of ride for it, but it's it's like been modernized to a degree that I don't I don't know. Kind of what to make of it, like you, you mentioned, the Nuggets changed their uniforms. I can think of the the two times, like the, the there was the '90s sort of like Matumbo, Jalen Rose era when they went like yeah. most '90s teams into like that like darker, grungier version of it. Then you had like the sleek powder blues, which I hated stopped. it. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, I was hated gonna say it. like what what did you what was your I take hated on that?
2: it? Oh, I was so mad because those <laughs> '90s ones I thought were okay, like the the. The navy blue and the gold with the the like dark maroon kind of. I thought those were all right, but it was like, you know, new jerseys, you're excited. I was just like, just don't blow it. Just don't blow it. Just don't blow it. <laughs> and then they came out and the shit was gold in powder blue. And I was like, this is insane. What are we doing? The alternates were cool. I like the alternate jerseys that era, but those powder blue was like not for me. I was I was very reluctant to, like, get on. I never really fully got on board. I like what they're doing now, though. I really, I really like the current jerseys, like, the modern ones, but that yeah. powder blue era was, like, it's tough to look at. You know, like, you look crazy. I'm a big dude. You look like crazy as a big dude wearing too much baby blue. Like, it makes you look nuts. Like, I always
0: there was a sheen on them that made it feel like like the jammies that TLC wears in that one video. I I forget what the song was.
2: Red Light Special, one (laughs) hundred percent. They were Red Light Special jersey, and like also that's a bad color to make shiny. That's the other thing. Powder shiny powder blue is like it was not a good. Nobody looked cool in those jerseys. Nobody looked cool. (laughs) That was like a hard, especially when we were because we were kind of good for a little bit there. Personally, I think. The calls go different. We win that Western Conference Finals. That's just me. But uh, nobody but, but nobody looked cool. It's hard to have a great team and, like, great players and nobody looks cool. Now these new jerseys, even Jokic looks cool. And he's arguably maybe the least cool-looking guy in the world.
0: Yeah, and, they, and they're trying to, like, that's why I say, like, they have a complex relationship with, like, the old-school look of the franchise because I think they're trying to weave that back in, and I feel like there's a lot. Like, those are the jerseys you would see, like, the 80s, Jerseys, you would see somebody wearing it like Lollapalooza, half ironically, but I still yeah. feel like they're they they can't quit them, you know. They, they I feel like they've, they've tried over and over and they just keep gravitating back toward that look in some capacity.
2: I mean, I think it's a great look because that was like because was that was that no, that wasn't the ABA look because the ABA look was when they had the yeah. the the minor, it's like right? the
0: Alex English look of the 80s, right? Yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, uh, yeah, I. I I, I love it though. I think those are I think hey, I think those are cool too. I just I I really celebrate the whole catalog besides the baby Gulera.
1: <laughs> era.
0: So what's your what's your most iconic like moment as a fan then? Like what would you say is like the uh, you know, again, showing up in you know in Denver sports like you are still maybe clinging to some of the Seattle teams or picking things up. Uh, you know, as you've as you've moved around cities, what what would you say is your best experience as a a, a fan?
2: I mean, a couple of them stand out to me specifically. I mean, for basketball, I, I don't know, man. I think this year was pretty incredible. Yeah, just like the heart on that team to be down like that and come back again and again, and just kind of like a group of sort of misfits and just like with the year everybody's been having, that's incredible. I mean, I think for, I think for baseball though, was that, that world series, man. Uh, What was that? Oh, nine or eight against the Red Sox. I was in college and I bet a bunch of people money that I did not have.
0: (laughs) And it was not close, right? Wasn't it wasn't a sweet no,
2: no. I think we won game one and then just got blown out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a weird Rockies team. If I remember correctly, they were just having like an okay season and they won something like 29 of 30 games or something to finish the season and into the playoffs. They just went on this crazy tear until the World Series when it was just like, you know, <laughs> when you drink too much and you just like black out at the bar.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, that, they were good guys, Tolowitzky and all those guys, but, like, God, yeah. I think it was, like, big bats coming out of the end of the season, and they were so strong, and then just, you know, it happens sometimes. Every now and again, there's a championship where somebody's, like, not supposed to be there, and uh, that was that. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> you, you mentioned,
0: at like, you know, athletes like Melo wanting to leave. Here's the thing I don't understand about, Denver as a sports town. Literally everyone in my life, I feel like I live in Chicago. Like I, I grew up in Ohio. Everyone in my life's like, oh, I, one day I'm moving to Denver. I'm moving to Colorado. Like it's it's like it's like a paradise for like everyday, you know, working stiffs. Why why hasn't it developed that like a, a cult uh vibe among a certain type of athlete who just loves everything that Colorado is all about?
2: Man. I got to be honest with you. I don't know because like that was always the weird thing to me living in Denver coming from Seattle because people are like that in Seattle, right? Gary Payton still loves Seattle. Yeah. Sean Kemp still loves Seattle. Like, all, and I never thought Seattle was particularly like that great of a city like in that manner. But like, I mean, I wonder, sometimes I wonder if Denver, it's like, we are a great city. We are a great place to live. It's amazing. It, especially back in the day before like the influx of all the weed money and stuff, maybe it wasn't like metropolitan enough for people mm. is, is like, that's kind of what I always wondered. Cause you would just like so many, you would hear about like players who would just like, yeah, they have an apartment here and then they live somewhere. else. You know what I mean? Right. But my friend, my friend, he used to live in the same apartments that Brandon Marshall lived in. Like, Oh it was, yeah. Palomino park. Am I allowed to say that? I,
0: I uh, <laughs> yeah, Brandon. I'm sure Brandon Marshall got nine condos at
2: this point. It's fine. Yeah, wouldn't it be crazy if he just kept that condo in Denver for no reason? <laughs> it would be. <laughs> He's just still driving around with his shirt off for no reason. Uh, yeah. I think that. I think that maybe Denver. I think there was maybe just like it was. It was definitely not the fandom. I don't think you know what I mean because the fans ride hard. It's just. I think it's just a smaller city, man. I think I really think that's it. Like, because Mel- and Melo, like a guy like Melo, what's he from Baltimore? I think he, right. had, you know, he wanted to be he wanted to be in New York that whole time. And if you're gonna come out west, I mean, there's easily Los Angeles, Gold, like all these other bigger markets out west. I think it's just like, I think I think it's just a small town. Denver, and Denver, Denver, definitely. Less so now, but back in the day, it did feel like a town. You know what I mean? Right.
0: And and can we agree that no story in sports is more overrated than the thin air in Denver, which always seems to matter so much when those teams are good? Like when the Elway Broncos are kicking your ass by 30 points, you see the dudes on the sideline like sucking the oxygen. But when the team is... Two and 14, it's like, yeah, man. Like, this didn't seem to affect anybody involved.
2: Or am I? No, there's a, It's also, like, with the Rockies, oh, it's a hitter's park. We yeah. got to keep the balls <laughs> in the humidor. Who gives a shit? Like, listen, man, that thin air, me and you, listen, me and you, we go there. We go for a hike. We haven't been there in a while. We're going to get winded. These men are professional athletes. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? They're, what is it, the hemoglobin or whatever? It's up. They're good. You know, you like. I think that is a weird. It's one of those things that is fun to cling to, but yeah, I don't think it, I don't think there's much to it.
0: Yeah, I think most people would know like the like the 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 favorite sons of Denver sports. You know your Elways and stuff. But I'm I'm doing this interview staring up at an Icky Woods Bengals jersey. I've always been someone who <laughs> who gravitates toward like the cult heroes of of professional sports. Who would you say is like that? that rando player that you just like totally ride for to this day?
2: Oh man, Earl Boykins. I still, yeah. I still, I, I I mentioned him earlier. It, it, obviously there's, it's like a size factor, but that guy just, his, his heart was 10 feet tall, man. I used to love him coming in off the bench. And when he was hot, like, cause that was the era when J.R. Smith would get hot too. You know what I mean? And like, they would both, they would both go on a streak in a game and just like, I love that little guy, man. Also, I really liked what Peyton Hillis did for us. I had like a huge spot in my heart for that guy. Oh, uh No Peyton. Sean Moreno. Like a lot of guys.
0: <laughs> Peyton Hillis, the uh was he the like the that white running back? Tight end. Oh, the tight end. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I don't know what I don't know who I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like that white running back for the Browns that ended up on the cover of Madden.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this Peyton Hillis. He, we we only had him for a little bit of time. I mean, Broncos personnel also. So that team has switched so many people since I've been. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. Like we're the type of guys to have like, oh, the season's a week out. We have eight running backs signed for some reason.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you uh, about the Sonics because I know you mentioned them before. Uh, we were talking about teams that you you rode for, even though that um you know they weren't your teams. And the 90s Sonics just kept coming back up. Were they I the, love them. Yeah, I was going to say, were they like the the most iconic team that never really won anything?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, listen, the Mariners, if you ask people from Seattle, I feel like they would say the Mariners definitely had more hype. But I, I love those Sonics teams. I love those guys. Like, just like, it was like, it, it always felt like such a weird, like, we were always written off as second tier, even though we were clearly not a a second. We went to the finals, you know what I mean? Right. Not a second tier team, but yeah, they just never they never could get it done. In an era, in an era where hardly anybody got it done. To be fair, right? <laughs> That's true. You know what I'm saying? How many people who weren't the Bulls won in the '90s? Three, right? So right. I mean, yeah. but yeah, those guys were just like, I loved all the, and it was such a weird c- group of guys. Like, you ever imagine like? What do you think Detlef Schrempf had to say to Sean Kemp? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> like these guys hanging out and like, yeah, I man, and George Carl and like I just I loved the 90s Sonic so much, man. And like I love I loved watching them play. I loved going to games. Like I loved those funky jerseys. Another second era jersey I wasn't a huge fan of.
0: Yeah, when they went like um that the darker I feel like you could I could write a book about how many NBA teams especially ruined their look in the 90s. when the Pistons are wearing teal and the Sonics are like, hey, we went from the coolest jersey in sports to like puke orange surrounding this like weird cartoon of the city. I don't I don't know what it was it, so uh,
2: ugly. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're right. Those Pistons jerseys were insane. The Pistons jersey, that that Pistons jersey with the 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 chess piece on it, might be the worst basketball jersey. Was that a chess piece? I can picture the horse.
0: Uh, I always, I don't I know thought what it was. It was. Like a knight? Is it not a knight? No, that's probably right. Now that you think about it, oh man, like lots of stuff clicking in my mind right now. Like I can picture, like I'm I'm like in my head, I'm staring at like a, a washed Joe Dumars wearing that jersey with like Grant Hill next to him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> old Dumars, old, old Dumars.
0: Well, I, you know, on your pod, you, you all seem very dialed into the NBA. Is that is that what you would say is is your your most shared you know sports obsession, or am I just over over analyzing that?
2: No, I think basketball is the most. I uh, I grew up, growing up, it was always kind of split between basketball and football. But like as I as I've been older, it's just I don't know. Basketball is what's kept my attention, you know.
0: And you played football, and I enjoy. Like I was in the marching band, okay. But my co-host played football, and I was going to ask you this: uh, the f- the only time in my life that he ever seemed to like playing football was a time I was walking over to band practice. And he he bum rushes me and he goes, "Hey, dude!" And I'm like, "Hey, aren't you supposed to be in the game?" Or is in the game going on? He's like, "I got kicked out because I knocked some guy out." Like he, he was so <laughs> insanely happy having given this kid a concussion. And I I wondered from your perspective, how do you go back and sort of piece together like your favorite highlights as an athlete? And has that changed at all as we have started to have this like massive reckoning with like the things that we liked about playing football back then. Are now the things that we're like? Maybe that wasn't so great for anyone involved.
2: Oh, all of it. All of it is hard <laughs> to like. <laughs> you know the CTE thing. I mean, I was—that's so funny. I was just talking to Ian about this, like, coaches saying things like, "You're not, hu- you're not injured. You're hurt," or he right. just got his bell rung. I w- we were <laughs> we used to go to football camp every summer in Wyoming because this is the craziest thing. You, I think they probably still do it. But Wyoming, their laws are different, so you can have a full contact, or no, it wasn't, it wasn't full contact. It was helmets, shoulder helmets and shoulder pads. But we played like full go football. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could they could do that for a week in June, (laughs) right? Yeah. Which is I know so nuts. So you go out there and everybody's nobody's in shape. We've been running practices and like secret practices. With like full go, but like how used you can't get used to it, you can't get used to it. There's a reason you have two days and all that. You have so much time before the season. And like I remember being in Wyoming and getting what I'm pretty sure is a concussion now, and like staying in and being like, Yeah, I'm tough, man. Yeah. I'm so tough. I'm so cool. <laughs> and then now as an adult, I'm like, Oh yeah, no wonder I can't do math anymore. <laughs> or like the two days, like when I uh,
0: so my role in sports, I'm more on like the kind of marketing side. I did work with Gatorade when I first came into the industry, we would do like a summer hydration program. Cause like every year kids die playing yep. like, uh, you know, of dehydration, heat stroke in two days. From your perspective, like, do you ever look back on, like, the intensity of that era? Now we sound like the old guys who were like, back of the day, it was so much tougher. But <laughs> yeah. legitimately, there was a lot, there's a lot more protection happening now for young people than back in the day. And, and did you ever any, have any times where in the middle of it, you're like, man, this is like crazy what we're doing to our bodies right now?
2: I think during, you know, when you're a kid, especially with football, so much of it is like drinking that Kool-Aid, you know what I yeah. mean? So at the time, I don't think so. But now looking back on it, so much of it, I think, is just, like, nuts. Even things like, I don't know if you should be lifting weights like that when you're 14. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kids right. were, like, taking creatine and stuff. And it's just like, for what? We were, Dude, I played 3A football. Nobody was, <laughs> no careers were being made. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was not that deep, like. So yeah, looking back on it, it's just like I loved it. I had a good time. I would never let my son play football.
0: Right. Yeah, and I don't want to. De- I don't want to sound like I'm overly demonizing the sport. I would say if I said to you right now, like, what would be the first play on your YouTube mixtape, if that, uh, and maybe that exists. I, if so, I, I apologize for not having found it in my research. Like, but yeah, what would that's irritating. S-
2: I, I I I I usually like my people to lead with that, so.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like it. I, I look right now. It's like your pin tweet or something like that. But.
2: Um, yeah, my JV highlights.
0: <laughs> like, what would you say is your highlight as an athlete? Did you have one in particular?
2: Oh, my junior year, I intercepted a pitch. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Did you run it back? Came, I ran it back for like ten yards. I didn't run it back. <laughs> no, I got tackled. I'm not fast. Uh, yeah. It was against Conifer High School. I came uh, I came off the guard, uh swim swam him, which is crazy because my arms aren't that long. I'm not like a big swim guy, but it just worked out. And uh yeah, I was like going pursuit angle to the running back and I ended up getting the pitch it was maybe the best thing. I you know, I haven't had a kid before, so I don't know what that like feeling is like, but it was close to that, I assume.
0: Uh, I have two kids, and I'm imagining what you're describing is better than uh, either of those experiences. No, I'm kidding. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
2: either of them. It'd be, it'd be yeah, worse no. if you said one of those experiences. No,
0: my first. My first is a, I always describe like my oldest is like a, this joyful soul who brings uh, like warmth into the world, and my younger one is like a squirrel got loose in the house, and we're raising her as a human child. Like it's just like night I love and day. <laughs> um, as we close on your athletic career. What's been like, what was like the worst interaction you ever had with a coach?
2: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for calling it my athletic career. <laughs> of course. I would always show respect that's, for it. That's, that's amazing. I haven't ever heard anyone say that. Uh, man, I, I mean, so I've never been one who was huge on authority. So I always thought all my coaches were ding-dongs kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I was always kind of like, oh, these guys. A bunch of nerds, you know what I mean? So I never took anything seriously. I don't have a word, I have a most memorable interaction with the coach. My so my senior year, we got a new offensive line coach, or both sides of the line, but uh we got a new line coach and we didn't know him. And uh he was like a ridiculous dude. He would park his truck on the track practice field. He was just like a really wild guy. He owned a restaurant. He partially owned a restaurant <laughs> called the Bent Noodle in Aurora, Colorado. So he would like, we'd have lineman dinners and stuff. Great coach, really taught us a lot. But uh, the weirdest thing was one time he sugge- he told us about a dirty movie that came out when he was in high school. <laughs> uh, it changed his life. And then he suggested that me and the captain of the O-Line rent it and show it to all the guys. Oh. So that was it. Was called Insatiable. Oh, you
0: remember the name
2: of the movie? That's great. I remember it because he said it was called Insatiable. Changed my life, and we were like, "What? What is going on?" <laughs>
0: did it change your life too?
2: No, I never. I never. I. I mean. I mean. I guess I could. I guess I could download it or something. I. I did. I. Yeah. I truthfully never even thought thought about watching it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me shift to this, because it came up on your... I'm a big fan of the All Fantasy Everything podcast. Uh, Thanks, man. You mentioned something on the show. I believe you said once that you owned, like, two movies growing up, and one of them was, like, Blue Chips. Yeah, Wayne's World and
2: Blue Chips.
0: So I we on this show, since we talk to athletes about what they do beyond sports, consider ourselves, like experts in shaquille o'neal's uh artistic oeuvre or whatever you want to call it
2: <laughs> so I, no i it's like there's a lot to take in can he we geek out on blue
0: chips for just a few minutes here because i've got some questions
2: perfect basketball movie perfect basketball movie okay that's perfect where i want to start the, the basketball is almost too real i mean the basketball it's re- that was the that was the that's why i love it so much though right like Nick Nolte is coaching like all those coaching clips. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't like you ever watch like sometimes like you watch like any given Sunday and you're like, I don't know if Al Pacino has ever watched. football. <laughs> I, I, I honestly yes. can't tell. I don't know what the I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but like Blue Chips was like real basketball. I think I think you're right. As far as like for somebody who doesn't maybe watch basketball, it was not nearly as exciting. But as a kid, I loved it, man. I and like have you seen the uh the Shaq and Penny or the 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 magic thirty for thirty? Yeah. Yeah. Were they they talk about, about yeah, they talk about Shaq Shaq was like playing with Penny at on the set of blue chips, and then that's when he went to the GM and was like, we gotta get this guy.
0: Of the of the acting performances, like I think I mean, I, I would argue this is probably Shaq's best act. I don't know if you've seen Kazam or Blue Steel or Steel yeah, oh yeah. or whatever, everything else. I, I would argue he's 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 very likable in this movie.
2: I think it's that or the general commercials are probably top of his <laughs> reel. Yeah. He was like, cause his uh his whole st- with with Nolte's ex-wife, charming as hell. That yeah. was like that was like great Shaq. That was great Shaq. I think I think that is Shaq's best movie. Penny, not a great actor. We didn't ask for it you know who i think is a scene stealer in blue chips though larry bird yeah like the one
0: scene where he's like you and every other coach right now you're in the country or whatever
2: (laughs) yeah larry bird fucking nails it a white farm boy with a basketball oh i don't know son i don't think you're ever gonna make it can't run can't jump bad back pathetic how's it going pete i'm doing good You know, I was just driving around. I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd stop by. Yeah, you and every other coach in the country. <laughs> well, you like, know. oh man, I think that I think that as far as athletes, and, and like I'm not downing Penny. I'm just like upping Shaq. I think Penny held his own. If there wasn't much there wasn't much for that character. Shaq though was a that was he was a tour de force. Also, can we give it up for those insane shorts he was wearing all movie? Yeah.
0: His outfit. where did he
2: get those? Where did he get
0: those? I don't know, man. It was a, it was a special time for, I feel like, for, <laughs> for all clothing in, the, in that, that early to mid 90s transition, which was very awkward. Let me, I'm going to ask you some deep cut questions because I know what it's like to grow up with just a handful of like VHS tapes in the house and to like wear, the, wear them down to the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. The rims in the barn game where we first see Shaq or, you know, neon playing that barn looks like every dunk could rip down a wall. And yet those rims are like professional
2: grade. It was, but do you remember there was something on the outside? Like it looked like it was like a tire inner tube or something around it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're right.
0: I mean, but this was an era when I legitimately saw Shaquille O'Neal rip an entire NBA basket down. And yet this like, rundown Shaq is actually going to uh, handle him having a million dunks in a row. It was always a nitpick of mine.
2: That is, that is, but you also remember, I think, if I remember it right, if I'm thinking about it right, do you remember how much give the the rim had?
0: Right, yeah, the elasticity of it
2: was, was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, like he, like, he kind of did pull it down. So that to me makes it seem like, oh, they just like, they're floppy because he does that, but I understand what you mean. I mean, Shaq needs to work out in special facilities. I think we all know that. Have you ever, have you ever like gone
0: to a like a dingy place like that to watch other people play basketball? To me, that, that if someone walked me into a place like that and was like, "Hey, you want to check out these like this like pickup game?" I'd be like, I- "I'm probably not going to go in." <laughs>
2: You mean you wouldn't take a boat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't take a boat up the bayou to where apparently there are no roads? No ventilation, no
0: escape. Like, if even a fire were to start in there accidentally, it you have a feeling you have, like, national news down there to cover the carnage.
2: The whole way that... Do you remember the, that whole scene of him getting the shack is is hilarious because first he's on a boat, and then children are leading him through the town and he's running with these children to like like Shaq is some sort of like deity like some sort of forest woods like <laughs> god you know what i mean right my also my favorite part about when he goes to see Shaq is the little fat kid who when Shaq dunks they they cut to this little fat kid and they overdubbed it because there's music playing in the back and the fat kid says oh did you see that oh man <laughs> love it love it the least arguably the least athletic
0: moment in the movie comes after that when nick nolte goes into that pentecostal church and tries to clap to the beat do you, have you oh yeah it's, it's painful how off like rhythm he is and he's flanked on either side by a full congregation who's clearly doing it right and he still can't even pretend to keep up for two seconds
2: i mean that's because what he was doing was a slight against god <laughs> uh, I think the Lord in That's heaven right. would not allow him to catch the r- rhythm because he was a blasphemer. <laughs> uh, the- he? was like, I grew up with the Pentecostal. <laughs> yeah, right. No,
0: well, it, the other thing I was going to say about you've mentioned, um, Mary McDonald, I think plays the um the ex-wife. Oh yeah. Isn't there a oh, scene yeah. in that where she's like, "Hey, want to just stay around for sex?
2: No, that whole relationship didn't make any sense. You, go to, <laughs> right. you get drunk, go to your ex wife's house, and watch game tapes of the game you lost tonight. What? What world would she allow that? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Like, but yeah, she asks him, "You want to?" No, no, she's messing with him though. She's like, "Yeah, you want to play a little one on one?" That's what she says. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's
0: the line. But I was, I always thought she was being real because he kind of shrugs off, like, "No, nah, I'm tired."
2: And I'm like, "Bro, what?" <laughs> yeah. Because she was, man, I also, one of my early, I think I probably discussed it on my podcast, one of my early crushes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a weird role. It's it's a bad era for her, like, in terms of like the stuff, the outfits they give her and, like, just the stuff, the role that she has is very little to do that's not about him. But I could see that, yeah. especially if you're watching the movie a lot growing up.
2: Yeah, and she was great. She was funny. You know what I mean? Her and Shaq, that's the spinoff I would have loved to see Blue Chips 2, she tutors Shaq through the rest of high school. That'd or be college, great. Right? I don't, I don't know why we're not doing Blue
0: Chips 2 with Shaq as the coach.
2: Oh, shit. That's a French? That would be amazing.
0: Sir, you should write that movie. You can send me, like, you know, 100 bucks in royalties, we'll call it even.
2: That's uh... Got you, man. And it's going to be, like, after. Because what happens at the end is, like, God, I always forget what what the exact penalty they had. Oh, yeah, because he quits. Melty quits, right? And then he's coaching those kids. So then, like, maybe it's like a USC thing. Like, they got, like, they couldn't compete or something for a while. And then they came back, and Shaq's like, Neon Baudreau is going to build Western back to its glory days.
0: Well, the entire premise of the movie falls apart when Neon doesn't want the money. And it's like, then just go get Shaq for no money and leave Matt Nover in in Indiana. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never you know, understood he, It wasn't even
2: money. It was a car, remember? They gave him a Lexus. Right, but he didn't even want it,
0: right? He's like I don't know. No, he was
2: like, it. I didn't Yeah, he just wanted to play. Yeah. It was why? Why Matt Nover? I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> That's a studio. He note. was fun in the movie. It...
0: there's a studio note like that's like we need a white bitch. we we need a white kid. From Indiana. Yeah,
2: we need a white dude. <laughs> <laughs> or they say, hey, I signed
0: Larry Bird up for a cameo. Go uh, get, get a kid from Indiana. Like, okay, who's around?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is, that whole thing was weird. Also, how many basketball people are in that movie is great. Like, oh, it's man. okay, you're, I'm older than you.
0: It was very triggering for me to see, like, Bob Hurley in, like, a Indiana jersey <sighs> in that movie. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's so funny! I don't know. It, 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 it was it was it was very funny. I would say the last question on 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 blue chips is what's the less uh, realistic line in the in the final sequence? Is it the booster in the press conference when Nolte's like, "What do we give him, Alexis?" and he's like, "No, it was a nuclear surfboard," which is something that is stuck in my brain for my entire life. Is like, what human being would ever use that line? As it sounds like something from like a line from like Pucci the Pucci episode of. Um, the Simpsons or whatever.
2: <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then the the other one is Bob Knight. They, they they do. First of all, you have to watch Nick Nolte do a two-hour Bob Knight impression just to then see the real Bob Knight next to him doing the same thing. It's very disconcerting.
2: Yeah. I always wondered why they put him in there.
0: Yeah. And then Bob Knight is like doing that coaching during a timeout. And he says the term like, you, you'll throw up a lob for the dunk shot. Uh, Keith, you're over here. You step out. Calvert starts across. Back cut. lab, dunk shot. Dunk shot versus nuclear surfboard, Ooh. which is like the, clearly a line that you're like, no
2: human would say this. Man, that is tough because nuclear surfboard is insane. But dunk shot is I've never. That's the only time. I think that's the only time anybody's ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's and he's a co- he's been coaching for forty years at that point. Did yeah, he, do you I think mean, he
0: said dunk shot into his real play? Did he say to like Isaiah Thomas like go in for a dunk
2: shot or unworthy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe because like Bobby Knight is old. Like, how old was Bobby Knight when the dunk w- became integral? Yeah, in well, college basketball. How old was he when that was like when it became like? that's what it is you know what i mean right
0: yeah I mean, would they ban it when kareem was planned so like you know early late 60s early 70s india yeah, he's, he's moving from west point to indiana then you know i don't
2: know yeah so maybe i i'm gonna go i i think i go nuclear surfboard though yeah it just it doesn't even make any sense why would you it doesn't make any sense <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well dude, this has been great. You give me so much time. Uh, I'll tell everyone to to listen to All
2: Fantasy Everything. Oh man, thanks for having me. It was a good time.
0: just one big jump
2: shot. One or you might be all So try to and refrain from the And don't get lost in the salt. just
0: one big jump And we are back in the sports world, athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting things that showcase their passions and pursuits, and then we tell them there being a locker room distraction get back to watching game film that's ridiculous life is just work and the things that distract us from work so on this show we end every episode by telling you what's been distracting myself and gareth um and gareth this week is something we've been bantering about via text message for quite a bit it's a topic that that before
1: everyone else was like or Early on in this, we were early. Adopters yeah, yeah, because
0: it's kind of it's kind of washed at this point. But like, we started to talk about Ted Lasso, and from uh-huh. what I would consider to be, you know, quite different perspectives on it, because all I had seen of Ted Lasso was the marketing, uh, the marketing vehicle that it was four or five years ago for the Premier League, where Jason yep. Sudeikis plays this irascible height like Texas football uh, American football coach who comes over to Europe to, to coach uh, the Tottenham Hotspur, uh, my, my premier league team, as it were only mm-hmm. team I've seen play in person in the old white Hart lane. Yeah, no big deal, but they won that.
1: game. Wow. You really are like throwing out like you were there. <laughs> my wife fell asleep in the
0: stadium it, in White Hart Lane. She was wearing sunglasses, and I literally propped her head up on my shoulder and like boosted her up every once in a while, like weekend at Bernie's, so that we wouldn't get um, mocked as the American no, you, know, you were fans. like it's
1: cool. She passed out. You know <laughs> we can't drink so. in the
0: stadium. Like you like oh really? Y- you can drink in the in the like you can't take any booze to your seats.
1: Have you read Among the Thugs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. All right, cool. <laughs> By the way, all of our readers, read Among the Thugs, yeah. among my top five favorite nonfiction books. Okay, moving among on. Among the
0: Thugs, very good. Um, Okay, so Ted Lasso was a essentially like a, a couple. I think they made two Premier League, basically commercials. And then this mm-hmm. year, Apple Plus or Apple TV, whatever the hell it's called, says they've, they're they going to do a Ted Lasso TV series with Sudeikis reprising the role and the first thing I thought was well there's no way in hell this is gonna work (laughs) right and then I talked to you and what was your take on the show well I mean I'm surprised well and don't bury the lead like you've watched it and what'd you think
1: well no no, I'm surprised that it worked because I thought it was outstanding and it's easily my favorite show I saw this year and I think it should win multiple Emmys for comedy series, for writing, for acting, um, and for overall. I think it's a miracle that it worked. Uh basically what they did, and look, somebody said on Twitter uh, soon afterward, and you and I got in this conversation. I think it like this is what helps spur this. Like everyone's now looking through like old ad campaigns to create a character. And as we should have learned from Kyrie Irving and Uncle Drew, that formula, this working is the exception, not the rule. Like, this is like, there's a reason we're doing this and framing this topic as things that shouldn't have worked but did. Um, it's a miracle that this worked, but they did a few key things. One, they brought in an actual experienced showrunner in the guy that did Scrubs to oversee this. Now, look, is that Bill you talked about Scrubs,
0: is that right? Bill
1: Lawrence, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so he EP'd this and like ran the writers' room and things like that. So then, so now immediately at the top of the masthead, you have a guy that did a sitcom for nine years. Now, look, I never watched Scrubs, but you've talked about it on the show. Plenty of people love Scrubs; like it was a success, no matter how you cut it. So you have someone with his experience and Sudeikis, who has been on Saturday Night Live, done movies, things like that. So you have a lot of talent there at the top. And they retooled it, the character. So instead of being like irascible and sort of like kind of like almost a hick American, he's irrepressibly optimistic. Like that is his thing. Like he just has unending optimism and that is how he's going to coach. He's like, it doesn't matter if I know soccer strategy i'll farm that out to the other people on the staff i know how to motivate and keep people working together as a team and that's what i do and that's how we'll succeed and he that character easily could have become even with that retooling ned flanders you know but he wasn't like he's someone with like real sexual needs and he drinks and makes mistakes and is flawed like I don't know, the way they pulled it off was outstanding. They threaded a really tough needle. The fact that it wasn't the corniest shit you've ever seen, either because it went too far in the marketing direction or too far in the retooled optimistic direction, is amazing.
0: Look, I haven't seen the series, but i watched a number of clips. And the one that really stands out to me is when they remixed the Allen Iverson practice rant. We're talking about practice. You understand me? Practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not the game you go out there and die for, right? Play every weekend like it's your last, right? No, we're talking about practice, man. Practice. You know you're supposed to be out there. You know you're supposed to lead by example. You're just shoving that all aside. And so here we are, Jamie. We're talking about practice, not a game, not the game. We're talking about practice with your team, with your teammates. That's super smart, and it shows me this is a writing staff that's like plugged into sports culture. That's a really strong balance too. If if it's a comedy show that doesn't get the sports part, then it's never going to feel authentic. If it's a sports show that doesn't get the comedy part, then you got Sports Night. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I I, I do think they've got a really interesting, strong mix there now. With that said, we're not going to sit here and talk about Ted Lasso this entire time. Instead, what you and I are going to do is just run down kind of our top five of things that shouldn't have worked, but did. (laughs) Because this is where we started to go when we started talking about Ted Lasso. It was like, yeah, what other stuff just like in your head pops out as like when you first heard about it, you were like, that ain't going to do it. And instead it just completely changed your mind and i don't know i don't know we, we we're debating do we want to do this as a list or if we want to do it as See, here's a what here's about. what
1: i have proposed because mine i don't know that mine all bear a lot of discussion so what i yeah, would like we just, to do we, yeah is just kind of list them and the last if you want to jump in that's fine and i'm going to end on the last one that i think is the most apt for discussion okay
0: yeah no that's totally fine
1: All right, so I'm going to start with my very odd... I don't know what was happening with me when I was trying to think of these, but, like, it begins with a twofer of Ice-T. And that is, first of all, Ice-T then going on after his rap career, highlighted by Cop Killer, going on to play a police detective (laughs) on Law & Order named Finn for 19 years. He, Ice-T, will have played a police officer for like, longer than his rap career was.
0: Are you counting New Jack City in this? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, no, no, yeah, exactly. Add on. But just like, it's incredible to me that like, I don't know, he became the embodiment of the fuzz. It shouldn't have worked, but it did. The other one from Ice-T Corner, the fact that we can still talk about this. And I'm going to say, I'm going to put a lot of this at the nostalgic feet of Jay Caspian Kang. but the Judgment Night soundtrack should not be coming up in 2020. It was a, it seems like it was a gimmick. Let's put rappers together with rock and roll people to make the soundtrack to this heist movie with ice tea in it. And the Judgment Night soundtrack should not still be Culturally relevant But it kind of still is and it Is that keeps where you get up, like Anthrax and Is
0: that, is that the well, album was, I'm
1: thinking of? So Anthrax and Public Enemy Had already done their collaboration At the end of Apocalypse 91 And so shortly thereafter It was like Cypress. They put this out And so it's exactly what you're thinking It's like Onyx and Anthrax did a song together Or Cypress Hill and Sonic Youth De La Soul and Teenage Fan Club. Um, I feel like... Pearl Ony- Jam and, and, like, some other rap group, like...
0: I feel like Onyx and Anthrax had to battle for who gets to keep the X. Huh.
1: Well put. <laughs> you <know>? Damn, damn. <laughs> but, not, now that's like, a gimmick. Like,
0: that's an album. <laughs> it's like... <you> yes, could... <laughs>
1: yeah. So I don't think the Judgment Night soundtrack should have worked, and it felt like it might have been lost for years, but now it keeps coming up as this like it's transcended just 90 nostalgia and now people seem to like argue over what's the best track on it and stuff like that i'm like man i can't believe it's 25 years later and this still stands up well let me
0: let me jump in there with a song that is is on my short list here because it also is something that popped in just recently back into into memory it's Mm -hmm. losing my religion by rem now, oh, because
1: of Song Exploder.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Song Exploder, the podcast, is now the Netflix series. It's hard to tell. There's only like four of them. I don't know if they're if it was a pilot run or or, or they're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But they break down the REM song. I mean, dude, it has no chorus, and the lead instrument is an electronic mandolin. And it's yeah, I r- never realized
1: it didn't have a chorus. until so you pointed that right.
0: Out, yeah. it, it's like a bizarre song especially when you compare it to other music that R.E.M put out even in their in their heyday that was far more conventional it's like why did this become their biggest worldwide hit it's a strange sound and look the video had a lot to do with it right place right time i think it, you know they had had a decade of kind of groundswell and they were ready to break and it was just uh, alternative music was having a moment but still, it's bonkers that, like, they're doing Song Exploder episodes about that song in particular, when you think Fred, of all the other I, aria music you could you could be breaking down and overanalyzing.
1: It has been out for 30 years, and I never noticed it didn't have a chorus until you pointed it out to me. <laughs> right. It's not like I was listening to it one day and was like, huh, there's no chorus. But, like, there's no chorus to that song. They say the title plenty. So it's not like one of those songs. But it's I don't know, that song is fascinating. And I love look, a lot of Twitter nostalgia is stupid. Like yesterday the one came up where like it's the annual Shits Creek fans realizing that um Catherine O'Hara was also in Home Alone. Like yeah, she's <laughs> she's been an actress for a long time, guy. Like, I don't know, wait till you dig into she's, all the movies. Wait, you see Beetlejuice. Been yeah, like <laughs> Have you seen American Pie? Get ready, um, but like, and so some I think of the nostalgia that come, that, or what passes for nostalgia on Twitter is just like really obnoxious. But rediscovering slash rethinking something even more than the Judgment Night soundtrack, like losing my religion, is a great use of it, and I feel more complete for it. So. What else, well was on,
0: what else pops in your mind when you think shit that just should not have worked?
1: Okay, the last few I wrote, um, uh, a favorite show of mine, Psych, from the old USA rebrand of the late aughts about a fake psychic detective starring Corbin Burnson as the psychic detective's dad. Uh, should not have worked, but I love it. Uh, another one is a retread football coach who got fired by the Browns and a sixth-round draft pick who couldn't start at Michigan, teaming up to become the most successful coach and quarterback combination in the history of <laughs> well, the NFL. Well, when you put it like
0: that, when you put it like that. Yeah.
1: You're talking and then, to Andy
0: Dalton and Marvin Lewis, right?
1: Amen to that. Yes, there <laughs> you go. He was a Michigan transfer. Very few people know that. Uh, the last one to me, honestly, and I'll never understand this, It tr- like truly, the cultural impact and success of game of thrones so soon after lord of the rings like everyone got back into medieval dragon shows like i love lord of the rings and i watch those movies anytime they're on like thrones never did it for me i never got it my wife loved it watched it religiously and i just i'll never i'll never understand why that and like it's, Cause like I said, it's not like we didn't just have 10 hours of that in theaters three years in a row, like a decade and a half ago. Like that's still pretty fresh. You know, like I'll never, I'll just never understand the wild success and cultural obsession of Game of Thrones. It totally baffles me.
0: Well, even beyond the premise, people forget now the pilot was like an all time disaster. Like it was super expensive. It didn't work. They had to recast half of it and reshoot it. And then it comes out. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And the show starts and it's just all of a sudden overnight that shows just a cultural obsession. And sure. It got way, way bigger by, you know, season six and seven. But even that hole for a six and
1: seven without one or two, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: And yeah, and it's a show about incest and like weirdness. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I. It kind of launched
1: launched Jason Momoa. Like, I don't know. Like the the amount of actors that got who came out of that, like, baffling to me. But hey, that's why I'm not in development for HBO. (laughs) And somebody found these thousand-page dragon books and was like. This is the next Sopranos. Yeah, and they I got were the, right. I
0: got the answer to us, us losing Sopranos and Six Feet Under, tits and dragons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, so, stuff that I, I was thinking about. Okay, here, here's a, here's one that I just can't get over. When you see the number of horrible TV, schlocky, bad. Um, Bad special effects movies that come out And get utterly ignored It makes Mm -hmm. what the Sharknado series did So much more unbelievable Because that was a genre of movie that like Already existed Already was instantly forgettable And man we cannot overstate Just how successful those first few Sharknados were As sort of Cultural talking point I mean I, I think Yeah I think yeah, they yeah. probably eclipsed they, they achieved What like Snakes on a plane Was trying to achieve I, I was
1: about like. to say The exact same thing Right The plane came out And they were going For this sort of like 70s Schlocky Popular B-movie thing And everybody got obs- Like I think that That title Was sort of like The first mean title like everyone got excited about it and then it came out and i think the general feeling was like i don't need to see it i know the title and so it kind of just died whereas sharknado people actually felt the need to watch them and like i don't know ian Zearing was around again so like yeah i agree with you a hundred percent and i think the the snakes on a plane comparison is spot
0: on the other TV thing that I I was thinking about was Seinfeld like I remember when it first came out I can so Mm -hmm. instantly picture me being upstairs seeing like an Entertainment Weekly thing about America's you know America's hottest stand-up is taking his you know his act to TV and he's bringing elements of his stand-up with him and I was like oh who wants to see this yeah and yeah. then we forget just how grounded television was back then in the family dynamic or the workplace di- dynamic, and it, mm-hmm. and and how cynical Seinfeld became over the course of its couple seasons. And and sure, it's overstated to be like it's a show about nothing because it, it there's actually a lot of high concept comedy happening. I don't know that that's accurate, but I do think that right. it's still a very intimate show, um, and the fact that it was able to just zero in on these characters who were, you know, relatively unlikable and make them so lovable uh, at a time when a lot of other TV didn't do that. And the other two on my list... And the other two on my list were um, things that are based on shit that just made you go, okay, this doesn't need to be anything more than what we already know it as. And so that is the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is based on a ride and which starred Johnny Depp. I mean, what is he doing with that character?
1: It is so as uh, Johnny Depp as doing a Keith Richards impression.
0: All right. the, The last one is, is in the similar vein. It's a movie that I think some people have cooled on over the years, but I refuse to. It's mm-hmm. The movie Clue.
1: <laughs> oh, listen, that is beloved by my kids. There's some problematic stuff in there with yeah. how they treat homosexuality. Now, listen, it's dated, and so you, you know, you kind of have to forgive some of it. And I'm not gonna. I don't want to be that guy that ever watches or reads something from like decades ago and like, boy, this really isn't woke like we want it to be. Like, but. I'm with you 100% on this one. Keep going.
0: Well, no, I just it was a movie that I think for our generation was beloved. It's it, again, content aside the performances themselves from that group of actors is so iconic and so meme-worthy and and elements of that movie will live on. And it's a movie based on a fucking game board and yep. it's a it's a movie with four different endings. Which they rolled into theaters separately, which is a bonkers idea. That's grounded in the game. That's somebody being like, "Hey, this will be clever," but that worked on VHS. And when you watch yes. it at home, it made it feel so much more inventive and interesting. And I do think, for whatever reason, and Tim Curry in that in that movie is just so amazing. Like people ride for. Like him and it, and so I'm like, dude, the, my my ultimate Tim Curry. Curry I mean, besides like uh, Rocky Horror, I mean, my ultimate Tim Curry yeah, yeah. is him and Clue because he's just so you can't k- take your eyes off him. And him at the end when he's explaining everything is just so funny. And it's a movie based on a board game and a board game that I argue yeah. is not even
1: <laughs> super fun to play sometimes. Right, and it's one that like I have now gotten the pleasure of playing that movie for my kids. And they love it. And I didn't tell them what was coming. And the multiple endings blew their head off in the exact same way. It blew mine off the first time I watched it on VHS when I was younger. If you don't know that's coming, I would argue the multiple endings of Clue are right up there with like Sixth Sense or Citizen Kane or uh, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. not Citizen Kane. <laughs> no, no, but like as a spoiler, like you think the movie's over and then they go back, and you end it again and again. Like it's awesome if you're not expecting it. I was going to so, say it
0: stands up there uh, among surprising movies of the '80s I like, alongside Jason Lives.
1: And you're <laughs> you're bringing up. Orson I'm just Wells, saying bro. that, like, <laughs> I'm saying, put it on that list of spoilers that you see all the time. Sure, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's it's a sleeper hit. It's the uh, Dude, it's, it's not Citizen Kane, but you know, it's it's. It's not even Brady Belichick from your <laughs> from your <laughs> submissions. Anyway, look, this is okay. fun stuff that didn't that shouldn't have worked, but didn't. I guess the the lesson remains: uh, just go make shit. You never know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, so. speaking of making shit, thank you to David Bory. So funny. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram. Follow his comedy. You can find clips and performances online. Go listen to all fantasy, everything. And, uh, Gareth, any shout outs, uh, shout outs for you.
1: Yeah. One more shout out to Mo at the laundromat. I'll see you there soon, buddy.
0: Yeah. I I also want to do, I do, we don't talk about your work a lot of the show. Do you want to give a shout out? Go look at the big lead article about the work that Gareth did on the, uh, masters open, uh, which was just awesome, dude. I was glad you got some publicity for it. It was cool.
1: Thank you very much. And, uh, Shout out to Kevin Hall of Cincinnati, Ohio, for being a part of that, and to his family for all they did. Um, thank you, Brad. But they were uh, very special people, and it was great to work with them. So
0: awesome! And shout out to actor extraordinaire Shaquille O'Neal, blue chips, and in his uh, his own self-proclaimed immortal words, "Booty rappers,
1: stay hey, booty."